Ora. I'm Laura Clark, the British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of Tea with the High Commission, the British High Commission's podcast, where we interview a range of interesting people talking about anything and everything, and in the process discover the great connections between the UK and New Zealand. Kiora, I'm Sam Pass, the Deputy British High Commissioner into New Zealand. Welcome to this Tea with the High Commission podcast. As we celebrate World Environment Day, I'm delighted to be joined today by Danielle Shanahan, the Chief Executive of the Zelandia Eco Sanctuary. I'm a huge fan of Zelandia and visit frequently as a member. What makes it really remarkable is that it's a wildlife sanctuary in the heart of a capital city right here in Wellington. It's the world's first fully fenced urban sanctuary. The other remarkable aspect of Zelandia is that it has a 500-year vision to restore Wellington's ecosystem as close as possible to its pre-human state. At some 500 acres, Zelandia has seen the reintroduction of 18 species of native wildlife to the area, meaning that we now see and hear the likes of Kaka and Kereru frequently throughout the urban area of Wellington. Daniel is a conservation scientist who has a PhD from the University of Queensland in landscape ecology. I'm going to ask her what that's all about. And she's been working for Zelandia for six years, helping Zelandia both inside and outside of its gates, including bringing eco-education into schools in the area. Danielle, thanks so much for joining us for Tea with the High Commissioner today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me here. Right, let's get stuck in. Um, As a Brit living in New Zealand, uh, the array of native birds here and the bird song I wake up to every morning has been a real delight. Uh, I have a very vocal Tui in my garden and he likes to get going at 4am. Could you tell us a bit about the work you do at Zelandia and some of the changes you've seen in Wellington through your conservation efforts? Absolutely. I mean, Wellington is a one in a million city right now. We are one of the only cities in the world where bird biodiversity is on the rise, not the decline. So that's something remarkable that's been achieved through really the rallying of a community around this crazy idea at the time of this eco-sanctuary with a fence around it. The fence is designed to keep predators out and it's done so incredibly successfully for the last 20 years and as a result, as you've mentioned, we've been able to bring those species back and it's really provided a source of this richness of biodiversity for this entire city and it's spreading well beyond those city bounds now too. It certainly is. We were just talking a little bit earlier, weren't we? I'm, I'm out in Mount Vic and, and uh, we've got kaka flying over there, which we've never seen before. And that's a remarkable success. Just thinking about the kaka, they were extinct from this region, completely gone from this region, none left anywhere. And now we're seeing them in our backyards, in the middle of the CBD. What an incredible success. Yeah, and they're such personality as well. Oh, yeah. I love them. <laughs> New Zealand parrots, the most clever in the world by, by far. Um, look, most of the time wildlife sanctuaries are located in rural areas but Zelandia is a slice of wilderness right here in Wellington. It's just a short journey from New Zealand's parliament. So why is it so important that we protect wildlife in urban areas and should we approach this uh, rewilding of our cities elsewhere? Yeah well as you've highlighted it is very unusual to find something like this in an urban landscape. You know conservation is something we've done in New Zealand and offshore islands, places well away from where people are. But the thing about cities, 55% of the world's population live in cities. In Britain, it's it's 8 out of 10 people in cities. In New Zealand, it's 9 out of 10. 9 out of every 10 people live in an urban landscape. If we want to reconnect people with nature, we can't just be doing it in our rural wilderness landscapes. We've got to do it in the places where people live, 
It brings them well-being benefits, it brings joy, it brings a sense of place, and we're seeing those effects right here in Wellington at the moment. Absolutely, and then the best thing about Zealandia is you can just hop on the bus to get to it. Um, you know, the number two bus goes right past, you know, and it takes, you know, what, 10 minutes from the city centre? Absolutely, or an easy walk or catch the cable car, you know, it's, a, it's just down the road from almost everyone. So. Absolutely. Um, it's great that we have this amazing project here in Wellington and it's a long-term one. This is all about taking that land back to what it was pre-human you know, pre beings. But biodiversity loss is occurring at an alarming rate world, worldwide. The UK is committed to protecting 30% of the UK's land by 2030 and we've played a key role in negotiating for the Leaders' Pledge for Nature, which will reverse, reverse biodiversity loss globally. That's now been signed by 93 countries worldwide. What do you want to see world leaders prioritising when it comes to protecting the environment? Oh, I was really excited to see that 30% target. It's a huge step forward. What we really need to be doing is not just stopping chopping down our big you know, forests that we haven't touched before. We need to be restoring landscapes in some way. And Zealandia is an example of that. We can't just uh, stop at that protection status. Yeah, we need to take it further, we need to take it into our cities, we need to reimagine what nature looks like for ourselves as well. It's not just always about going to a pre-human state. Parts of Wellington will never get to that point and that's okay. But what does nature look like in that city centre? What can we, how can we reimagine it? Absolutely. Um, and there's a real link as well between climate change and biodiversity. You know, the UK hosted COP26, the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow last November. There's a growing recognition you can't do climate change without biodiversity or dealing with biodiversity loss and vice versa. They're inextricably linked. Um, and nature-based solutions will be crucial for tackling climate change. Could you talk a little bit about Zealandia's role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Zealandia has multiple roles in this area. Of course, you're, you're dead right. You can't separate the climate change issue from the biodiversity issue. But there are things that sort of work in those two spaces somewhat separately. So Zealandia has a role, you know, places like Zealandia are hugely important for carbon sequestration. You know, it is a forest that is regenerating. So the place itself is critically important. We're a safe haven for the wildlife that gets affected by these things. So it provides a place where species can continue to evolve and adapt, and that's important. But I think one of our most crucial roles is in advocacy. So as we talked about earlier, we're seeing a whole city affected by biodiversity. People are noticing species that they've never noticed before. You know, I, um, I did a bit of a back of the envelope calculation the other day. When I, was, when I was seven, I reckon I had about 30 encounters of Tui. And my niece, who's now seven, has probably clocked up 3,000. And that's a phenomenal change in just one generation. It's that relevance, that relevance of biodiversity, relevance of our environment. That's what we need to inspire our next generation, to inspire people to actually take action, both for the climate and for biodiversity. And that's the role that I want Zelandia to be playing into the future. Absolutely, mm. totally agree with you. And I mean, you know, every day it feels like we're reading more about, you know, species in decline. You know, it feels a bit like there's a bit of doom and gloom about what's going on. And, you know, and there's a question is about why should people be optimistic? You know, what gives you reason to be hopeful? Yeah, my optimism comes from both reimagining what nature can be and say, for example, a city environment. 
but actually what really gives me that optimism is that seven-year-old niece. I look at how she talks about the environment, what she does for the environment, how she engages with it. It's vastly different in this generation than what we've seen in generations before. And that excites me. It makes me um, hugely optimistic that we're gonna be looking to a much brighter future than perhaps we might have anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. I think your niece is going to be very lucky and the fact she's got something like Zelandia on her doorstep is just absolutely incredible. Now you've been at Zelandia for six years, but you started off, you know, we mentioned your PhD in landscape ecology. Tell us a little bit more about that. What does that actually mean? That's right. Yeah. So I started off um, really as a bird nerd. I love birds, (laughs) you know, surprise, surprise. I'm in the role that I'm in now. But um, my PhD was all about trying to understand how you can design city landscapes with patches of forest to attract different bird species back into those urban environments. So really, um, my current job is a natural fit for me. It's almost the perfect match. (laughs) Fantastic. I like that. Danielle, the bird nerd. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And obviously, for that reason alone, it must be so rewarding to work in a job where you can feel you're making a real difference, you know, and and using all that training and all that learning. So what's been your proudest moment in the role so far? Gosh, I've had so many proud moments. It's a it's a difficult one to pin down, but I feel so proud at the moment about the work that Zelandia is doing to try and become an exceptional Tetiriti or Waitangi partner. So we are looking after these Taonga species, these birds, these manu, these invertebrates, these trees. Now these are incredible, precious things that are hugely valuable to us all and we want to look after. Increasingly, we're doing that in partnership with Mana Whenua. We've got a long way to go, as we all do, but we are really pushing the boundaries to make that a reality. And we've got some great examples of that recently. We um, uh, reintroduced, alongside our Mana Whenua partners, this incredible, crazy species that it's a plant that grows off the root of another plant, so it's actually parasitic. It's called Pua and this, um, this very special threatened species has been brought back with so much love, so much aroha. And that, um, for me, has been a majorly proud moment. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because a lot of people, when they think about Zealandia, they think about birds. But actually, it's not just the birds. It's also, obviously, the trees and the plant life and the species. The whole park brings everything together that should be part of New Zealand, right? Absolutely, and so many of these species are absolutely fascinating. Another species we brought back recently is called um, kākahi, or freshwater mussels. It's an amazing species. They filter like a litre of water over an hour. They can clean out entire lake ecosystems incredibly rapidly. They live for 50 years. Like, you know, these amazing things about the species that people just don't know about. We don't notice these things, but they are absolutely amazing, absolutely unique, and absolute treasures. Absolutely. Mm. So... uh Already huge amounts of work done. I mean, it's the park is just absolutely fantastic. But what's uh, on the agenda for Zelandia over the next five years? Right, well, looking inside the fence, you know, we've got a big focus on our exotic canopy cover at the moment. So we have a lot of pines in there. And that would be a really long-term plan to remove those. But we're just starting to really get going on our thinking around that. We want to do a fish translocation next year, which is an interesting one because most fish in New Zealand have been translocated to be moved out of the way of development, not for conservation reasons. So this is going to be one of the first fish translocations for that purpose. So we've got some really exciting things on the agenda inside, but I'm also really excited about our work beyond the fence. 
Um, we've got some cool projects. One is a sanctuary to see, Kia Muri Te Kai Farafara. So this is about uh, may the life force of the Kai Farafara be healed. Now that project, we've got some exciting initiatives happening. We've got one staff member who's spearheading the idea of turning that awa or creating um, the, the river, um, giving it a legal personhood. So it's a really novel concept in an urban landscape. So it's really exciting kind of stuff coming out of that that's pushing the boundaries of what we might think of as, as traditional conservation in New Zealand. Fantastic, absolutely. Um, and lastly, I'm going to ask you a bit of a controversial question now, Danielle. So, you know, there's been many campaigns to promote conservation, and arguably one of the most popular ones is Bird of the Year. But last year it was run by the Pekka Pekka, which is not actually a bird, but is New Zealand's long-tailed bat. Uh, it was all very controversial at the time. Um, firstly, do you think it was fair for a mammal to go up against the birds? And secondly, who are you endorsing for 2022 Bird of the Year? <laughs> well, you know, New Zealand has only two native mammals, so we need to give them an in somewhere, don't we? So, you know, this is their, this is their spot in the sun, I guess, uh, which is cool. But it's open to a whole can of worms. What next? Uh, maybe I'll vote for a moth. Who knows? <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, but I'm voting for the two each. They're my favourite by far. So I'm going to actually push you on this point. Uh, what is your favourite New Zealand bird? Well, look, it changes daily, but today it actually is the Tutuwai, or the New Zealand North Island Robin. This, this is an incredible uh, species, very cheeky, comes up close. If you're lucky, it'll jump on your shoe uh, while you're walking through the forest. Beautiful bird. Yeah, absolutely. And I have had them as a land air. People are always amazed how they will come right up to you and actually sit on you and they're just not at all bothered at all. And that's not because they're used to humans. They're just kind of quite cheeky and they're quite happy to do it, right? That's incredible. Absolutely. And, the, uh, and Britain has a, uh, has a beautiful robin too, right? What are their yeah. characteristics? Are they similar? Yeah, they look different. Um, robins in the UK actually do have a red breast. So whereas they're here, they've got duller plumage, haven't they? Sort of a white um, breast. Yeah. Absolutely. But they are still really cheeky actually and if you're a gardener you will well know that if you turn over some soil and you've got a spade in the garden they will quite happily sit on the spade and wait for the worms to come so very similar obviously robins are quite cheeky for all that though i have to say when it comes to new zealand birds um i have to say favorite urban bird for me has to be the tui even <laughs> if they do start singing at four o'clock in the morning um and out in the wilds it's got to be the kia absolutely amazing parrot and incredibly clever with it Daniel, it's been an absolute delight to meet you. I hope you go on to enjoy your time as Chief Executive of Zelandia and I hope everyone listening is going to make the effort. It only takes like 10 minutes from the beehive to go up and see this wonderful, wonderful eco-sanctuary. And that includes, hopefully, all the new British tourists that will be coming in now the borders are reopening. Uh, Daniel, it's been great to meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and welcome to everyone who comes and visits. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review as it helps others find us. And remember, you can subscribe to us by searching for Tea with the High Commission on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you. Kakiti anō.